you start to question your value. You start to question your self-worth. Like the more money you got, the more successful you are, and most people really do buy into that. But really, I just needed a break. What I love is helping people. I'm Julie Bauke, and welcome to The Evolved Career, a podcast where we help you determine what truly does matter most to you and how it can have a profound impact on your life. Today, we welcome Helen Todd, CEO of Sociality Squared, a New York City-based social media agency where they believe, and I love this, Helen, the magic of people coming together around what they value and love. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me today. So, Helen Todd, what do you value and love? Oh, that's a great question. I love, uh, you know, my family, first and foremost, uh, community, when people come together. I love hosting dinners to get people who normally wouldn't sit beside each other together talking and seeing what magic happens uh, when people get outside of their uh echo chambers and bubbles and meet people who they might uh, otherwise not do. So, so and it sounds like, so you're a connector. I am definitely a connector. Of people and dots yes. and concepts, it sounds like. Yes. Yes. So has this always been a part of who you are? When you think back to when you were a child, junior high, high school, college, is that has that been the central core of Helen Todd? I, I think so. I, I was in preparing for this uh, interview, I looked back... You know, so much of what we do when we're children shapes our beliefs and who we are as adults and whether we fight that or don't fight that. And I guess two things, every club that I've ever been a part of, I've become the president. So (laughs) I know that type A in me. Now, is that your goal when you go into the club to say, I'm going to be president? No, it just happens. (laughs) Um, But also in bringing people together, I always friended. I grew up in a very... Uh, non-diverse town, but somehow I always became friends with the foreign exchange students and was always just curious about any perspective that was outside of the little world that I lived in. Um, And then bringing people together, whether it was through the clubs or, um, yeah, just getting out in the community and connecting people. Yeah, Um, you're an inclusive leader, it sounds like, and you live your life in that way, personally and professionally. Yeah. So I had to look up the word sociality. (laughs) And probably a lot of people do because we hear the word social, socially, society, societal, but sociality was a new word. So I read your description of it on your website, and then I looked it up on everyone's source of brilliance, Wikipedia, and and there were a lot of similarities. But there was one sentence in the Wikipedia definition Mm. that I thought was um, really worth noting. But before I share that, what's your definition of sociality? Yeah, it's just the tendency for people to come together and form communities and diversity of thought and just really just coming together. And that's at the core of social media, community building, the exchange of ideas. So that's that's really what it means to me. The people coming together were inherently social beings, and sociality is at the heart of that and encapsulates that. So coming together physically. Mm-hmm. So it could be in a club or an organization. Yep. And now that we're living in this entirely different world, people are coming together in different ways. Yeah, and it's interesting from the social media lens because we can connect digitally with any subculture anywhere on the planet. I mean, you have Jordanian hip-hop artists connecting with uh, hip-hop artists in Brooklyn and Atlanta and all parts of the world. But one thing that we found is, 
you know, as the pendulum is swinging to all digital and we can live our lives all digital, one thing that we found, and Facebook knows this too, is actually we really do like in-person and we're, we're actually happier when we connect in person with people. So you're seeing like, yes, these digital worlds and communities are amazing to connect with people that you might not otherwise be able to, you know, geographically locating. But when we come together in person, there's real magic there. And the on and offline worlds are starting to blur even more. And how Facebook is, you know, embracing this and knows it too, is they're reorienting their entire platform around groups and actually encouraging people to meet in person too, which I think is very telling of just the power and importance of in-person connection. So is it, you see kind of the uh, coming full circle? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I see that Facebook is launching a dating app. <laughs> yeah. Well, they, they're sitting on so much data that they, they probably know better than we do who uh, who will be good matches for us. <laughs> we, probably ought to, uh, they prob- we probably ought to take their advice. Some yeah. of us probably make better decisions that way. Yeah. yeah. So here's the sentence in the Wikipedia definition. Yeah. Sociality is a survival response to evolutionary pressures. Mm. So survival response, which pretty much says we need to connect to survive. Yeah, that, that doesn't surprise me. I mean, if, if I encourage everyone to read uh, Homo sapiens, that book, I think he outlines the need of how each how we went from individuals to, you know, villages and to cities. Uh, our politics and religions have gotten more uh, complicated to uh, really meet the challenges of societies getting more complicated and larger and what that looks like. Uh, but a lot of human behavior today hasn't actually changed that much from those days. I mean, we, uh, I think there's some statistic like within, I, I know more stats about Facebook than than anything else. Uh that within like Facebook Messenger, you're connecting with your top five people on a regular basis, even if you have 200, 500 connections. And that's not too different than how many close connections uh, we've stayed or stayed in close contact with for centuries. Mm-hmm. I, I saw on your website that you are quite a fangirl of Facebook and um, not just the platform, but all artifacts. Facebook. Uh, there was a book. That you want to tell us about that book? Yeah, um, I, I'm a big, I'm a fangirl of a lot of things. I, okay. I'm like, as soon as I become a fan, I'm a fan all okay. in. Okay, and I go through phases of impulse buying, uh, and I went through a phase early on of impulse purchases around Facebook related things. Uh, it's not quite as sexy these days to be a huge Facebook fan, right? I, yeah, given the current, uh, you know, political climate and whatnot. Um, and I guess as a side rant and comment on that, uh, it is I do believe in having a healthy perspective. So I'm not a blind right. Facebook yeah. fangirl. Uh, but yeah, I was on vacation and I came across a book that had just a really cool portrait and the style of it was really amazing of Mark Zuckerberg. And I naturally just had to buy it. And I love the style so much that I reached out to the the artist to see if I could get a print and then... So yes, I have a, a, a print of Mark Zuckerberg at my apartment, uh, but I ended up commissioning the artist to create the artwork for our first website wow, that we launched. Uh, There's so, connectivity right there, yeah, right? So yeah. it was kind of a 
inspiration comes from yeah, anywhere type of right. moment. That's right. So tell us about your career. What were those, as you look back, I think you graduated in college about 13 years ago, mm-hmm. something like that. As you look back over that period of time, what were those moments, those those uh, ahas or those pivot points that um, you think were the most instrumental in getting you to where you are today? Yeah. Well, I remember actually in college itself uh, walking into the marketing department to meet my advisor for the first time. And before I got to his door, and this was here at Xavier University, a Nerf gun like uh, bullet flew out of his office into a, another office. And it was just like, they couldn't have planned this, but it was such a confirmation like, oh, these are my people. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, I'm in the right major. You know, this is like something fun. Um, and then just, you know, really fell in love with marketing. And I it was during college when Facebook came out for me. And I remember the day that a kid ran up to me as I was like going to uh, the Student Activities Council or the government meeting, like, we have to get, you know, all the students on Facebook, then we can have, you know, Xavier or xu.facebook.com. And after that, it really spread like wildfire. So I personally used it right from the very beginning and have always really used, whether it was AIM or Facebook, MySpace a little bit to connect with people. So personally, it was already, you know, that I was part of the the shift in mm-hmm. Web 2.0. Um, and then, yeah, after I went straight from undergrad to grad school, I think at the time, I had this belief that the real world was really scary and I wasn't ready for it. Uh, Aren't any of us really <laughs> ready for it? <laughs> well, I, you know, when I talk to young people, I tell them that they shouldn't be scared. Like, I think that's a false belief. Like, oh, you know, this is your best days in your life. The real world is so scary that it, you know, like, I don't think that that belief actually served me that, that well. From? Like, why Why do you think, because I agree with you. Yeah. Uh, why do you think kids in that age group um, are so scared or intimidated of the real world? We're told we should be. I mean, from like primary school or middle school, you're going to start out as the young person again. High school, you're not going to be prepared for. Uh, From high school to college, oh, it's so scary. You know, it's going to be so hard, so much harder than college. And then when you're there, all these adults are saying, these are your golden years. You know, have a ton of fun. The real world is horrible. You got Don't ever graduate. Yeah. (laughs) And then, like, you're there and then, like, on the precipice of where everything has, you know, it's very clear. You go from one step to another. Mm And then, uh, you know, this real world of when a lot of responsibility of career choices, am I going to make the right one? You're on the edge of it. And it's like, ah, it is really scary. And, you know, all these beliefs somehow become like affirming. Um, mm-hmm. But I but I don't think those serve you well, because there's so much beyond college that's exciting and amazing. And, you know, having disposable income <laughs> is also yes, one yes, of the very right. big perks having of, ramen or, uh, for every meal. of all yeah. of that. Yeah. 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 It's, it's everything's a step until you get to college. And then it's almost like a free fall. And the what I've noticed is when I speak to college students, either in groups or one on one, the the I spoke to a group of young women a few years ago and they all you know, young business majors and they were all sitting there pen in hand, dressed up. And it was like they were waiting for the nugget. 
the one nugget that was going to solve all their problems and give them all the answers. And they mm-hmm. were just there to there to hear it. And I just I, I just said, I hate, you know, I really hate to disappoint you, but there's there's no such thing. Yeah. Um, but make. Being afraid to make a mistake and get out there. I mean, I, I guess I remember back many years ago when I was starting in the workforce, you just were glad to get a job and you just jumped in. And it seems like there's such a range of choices now that it's almost overload. It's a paralysis. Yeah. And I think my generation specifically, we're the the ones that really took, I think, the first load of student loan debt And we're kind of also seeing like we've done every step that we were told to do to be successful and we're carrying student debt and our careers aren't paying us as much as we thought. Am I really happy in a corporate job? Because that's what I thought I was supposed to do after college. And we're kind of in this like interesting, you know, space of, well, was I actually told you know, these steps, you know, were were those the ones that I wanted to take? And yeah, I think we're in an interesting time and you're seeing workplaces shift. You're seeing freelance jobs not be part-time, but actual careers. So it's a, it's an exciting time. It where, is. But it's also, you know, new yeah. territory of if we get to redefine our careers, that's exciting. And it is. It can be scary at the but same time. But if you're time. not a risk taker, yeah. you know, if you really want that path that you can see where it is quite scary. So your first job out of school. Yeah. So I went from grad school and then right after that, uh, got hired uh, by one of the very first, you know, it was probably among the first six or so social media agencies. Okay. Um, and this was 2009. So it was very in the early days of the world of social media marketing becoming an industry and loved it. And after 10 months, uh, they fired me. <laughs> All righty. Those are, those are character-building moments. Yeah. It, it was a total blow to my ego as someone who was always an overachiever. You know, I don't think I was totally straight A, but I was, you know, an honor student and whatnot. Uh, so, yeah, it was it was a big blow to my ego. Why did it, you get fired? Do tell. <laughs> well, it was a small company led by a couple and, you know, they were growing super fast. The industry was growing super fast. And, I, you know, I think it was maybe collateral damage in the growth and them not knowing. Right. Sure. We'll see. Well, that's, yeah, the, yeah, ni- that's yeah. the nice version. I think you've, you haven't lived until you've gotten fired. I think that's just one of those human experiences everybody needs to go through. Yeah. So you picked yourself up and dust yourself off? The next morning, I woke up at like five in the morning with a domain idea and immediately (gasps) went to my computer and got it. And, you know, it was something that was funny because I so much value mentors and mentorship and really liked the structure of corporations where there's, you know, a leadership path and whatnot. And the experience was almost like a reversal of like, that was a shit show and they made money. Um if they can do it, I can make money. And, you know, I jumped into it. And I was 26 at the time. So I had no idea what I was doing. A friend jumped in with me. And to me, it was my first thought. Everyone's like, oh, Helen, was that scary? I was like, no, I it was like, I had no idea what I was doing. So the I was naive, if anything. Did anybody try to talk you out of it? People know that they're not going to talk me out of okay. things. <laughs> All right. So yeah. if, I, if I make up my okay. mind, uh, uh, but I but I saw it as like, oh, this is like running a club. You know, it's like being president of a club, which 
it was very natural for me. Yes. But somewhere down the line, you know, I don't know if it was taxes that year or, you know, when people really start, we started growing and working with other people. It's like, oh, other people, you know, are starting to rely on this for paychecks. Oh, there are like actual consequences, like legal consequences and liability and all of this. And at some point, much like six months, a year, year and a half down the line, I was like, this is not like running a club. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what? You needed that mentality to get you started because that was familiar to you. And so if we can a lot of times just liken or align something that we're doing with something we've done and been successful with in the past, sometimes that can be our jumping off point. And then you've got other stuff to learn on top of that. But I love that analogy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I'm still learning. I mean, we're yes. almost to our 10 years, and it, there's a, it's always a continuous learning curve, for yeah, sure. Yeah, so that was, I mean, was the domain name that you had the idea for, Sociality? No, it was, uh, what was it? FBADZ.com. Uh, I own a lot of domain names. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that one happens to violate the uh, the trademark of Facebook. Uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> um, but no, Sociality uh, Squared came along because it was actually, we're like, what domain names are available that are related to social? Social.com, Sociality was taken. We're like, well, exponential, Sociality Squared. That makes sense, you know? Uh, so that's, yeah. I wish we had a better story, but it was just uh, yeah, us and GoDaddy. <laughs> yeah, I mean that that in this day and now it would be a thousand times worse oh, because yeah. it's kind of like you know you think every domain name possible has been taken. Of course, that's not true, but it feels like it. Oh, but I'm yeah. pretty sure we had you know it was GoDaddy and you know googling what these words meant. And we googled it, and I really actually only heard the word used in conversation really once. It's not like a a word that's often used, but it really does encapsulate what we do really well. Yeah, yeah, that's great. So you've been in business 10 years. Almost 10 years. Yeah, in February will be 10 years. You've got a team of, it looks like about a 12 to 15 people-ish all over the place. All over. We're a distributed distributed company. Yeah. Okay. And we're we're a network of freelancers. So depending, I call it my rubber band business bottle. So depending on our client load and which clients we have and which, you know, expertise that we need on the team, we'll build out the account teams based on that and pull together the the all-star team for each client. Mm -hmm. So when you think back over the last 10 years, and obviously things are going well. What do you look at over that 10 years as a low point? This year has been a rough year. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, my father passed away in I'm May. Sorry. Thank you. And but prior to that, uh, he'd been in the hospital. And this year has been one of those kind of open eye moments where we really are a small business and I'm so much a part of the day-to-day that if I'm really torn for family and this and that, um, this has not been a big growth year for Sociality Squared because, uh, you know, it's person because my personal life really took over. Um, But it's also kind of been a year, we relaunched our website, which is really exciting to, you know, start rebuilding and laying the foundation for a big comeback. Uh, but it's it's also been very humbling and 
almost made me look back of like, okay, how can I make sure that everything isn't dependent on me? And what are the systems that we can put in place where Sociality Squared runs whether I'm there or not? So I think that's one of the big goals, you know, moving forward. But So if you could look back to like when you were 26 and mm-hmm. first starting this, um, and you could go back and sort of get up at 30,000 feet and look at young, naive Helen <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> at 26 starting a business, yeah. <laughs> um, what are some of the... You know, as you look back, what are some of the, the moments in which you said, wow, didn't expect that? Some of the surprises, some of the things, and they don't have to be uh, bad surprises, but but what are some of the things that maybe you wish you would have known then that you know now um, hmm. that were, you know, just, just not expected? Yeah. I mean, one story outside of work a little bit was when I, New York can be grueling, uh, mm-hmm. especially as a new person there. And it was around the first year or so that I was in New York. I remember being in a in a black car, and I started off in Queens before I moved to Manhattan. And this uh, gentleman was my driver, and I noticed he was speaking a different language. And as soon as he got off the phone, I, I love talking to drivers. I mean, you can yes, get a yes. whole pulse on the world uh, in Manhattan just talking to uh, to taxi drivers and Uber and Lyft drivers. Uh, and I was like, oh, where are you from? And uh, it was, I forget the actual country, but uh, it was northern, northeast Africa somewhere, a small country. And he's like, oh, I came to the U.S. without, you know, two dimes to get a coffee, but his, his hand motion was more like a, an espresso. So it was a, he was speaking French. And it was a French country, a colonized country. Um, and we got to talking and he told me his entire life story. And uh, by the time we got in Manhattan at stoplights, he was like showing me his, his kids' photos. And he was so proud to have his own car driving in Manhattan. And his next big life goal was to move to Ohio and be a truck driver. And he's like telling me, like, you have to have something to live for. And I'm like in the backseat as, you know, starting my job in New York. I'm like, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> but he, Taxi cab wisdom, right? Yeah, but he was so clear, like, you have to have something to, to live for. And that, that just like sticks out so much. And I think is so much part of the work that you do. Um, so I think I'm always asking that question, you know, of uh, what am I doing and is this fulfilling me and, and whatnot. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, the in a practical way, getting a good accountant, I had, <laughs> uh, I had a few like pain points there. Uh, I worked with an accountant that wasn't based in New York for the first uh, year or two and she didn't realized that there was a New York City tax. Oh no. So by the by the time that I worked with another accountant, I owed like 3 years of city back taxes. So that wasn't fun. Mm. Um so yeah, get a good accountant <laughs> and then uh, really wow. pay attention to contracts. I've gotten into trouble with these auto renewal contracts oh, yeah. and uh so yeah, so that was something uh I wish I had, you know, Paid a little yeah. bit more attention to to well, save me. Sometimes business owners a lot of money. And, you know, big thinkers. <laughs> yeah, you know, they love kind of the visualizing, the strategizing, the possibilities, and this other stuffs. Just details. Yeah, yeah. And I, I'm with you because I, I'm that way as well. And I know I have made so many stupid mistakes when it comes to those kind of things. Yep. <laughs> that, you know, it's just if it's not your thing, find somebody 
that it is their thing. Yes, yes. Don't take it all on yourself. Like there are people who have subject matter expertise. Yeah. Lean on them for this stuff. Yeah. So your clients are small, medium, large companies all over the place? Mid-sized consumer-facing brands. Uh, We like to work with purpose-driven brands and brands aligned with our values. So we have, um, I think the client that exemplifies that the most right now is a social venture in New York. Um, but yeah, we love B Corps and oh, brands yeah. that are, B Corps. Yeah. you know, just being a, a source for good through business and the world. So that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. that's great. So um, storytelling, you talk a lot on your website about storytelling. Now, storytelling is, is, it feels overdone. It does. <laughs> it feels like too much of a thing. Yeah. You know, and everybody's talking about storytelling. But my guess is you guys have been talking about it long before everybody else was talking about it. I mean, Maybe. story storytelling is goes uh, back to cave times sure. and have evolved. So I, I don't know if we were like on the early days of storytelling. Okay. It does feel like it's much more of a buzzword yes. in these days than uh, – than before. Uh, but yeah, I mean, everything comes down to story. It's it's how we connect and relate to one another and how we process information, whether that's, you know, in an entertaining or educational way, like story connects us. Uh, so yeah, we think a lot about story. And from a social media standpoint, it's like you have the the big picture story of the brand purpose and brand story. And then you break it down into campaigns or bringing the brand alive in many different ways. And each of the little pieces of content has to stand alone uh, as its own story, but be part of this bigger story and support that. And then we we spend a lot of time thinking about how we can bring these stories alive in the different platforms. I mean, there's so many different tools mm-hmm. and forms of expression uh, that all these platforms offer. Like, no creator thought in vertical eight-second stories, you know, a few years ago. But now that's a huge platform, and we're literally thinking in, oh, this would be great for the vertical format stories. So we're reimagining, you know, what stories are and how to express them and all the different tools and fun ways uh, that we have to do that today. What's the fa- your favorite story that you have that relates to your business? A sociality squared story. And it could be from one of the clients you worked with or when you really think about an impactful story, you're like, yes, this nails it. Is there anything you can share? You know, one that comes to mind offhand is through Like a Camera, which we helped launch them on to social media and worked with them for five and a half years. We got to do a lot of really amazing things. And part of the the scope of work that we did was interviewing photographers and capturing their story uh, for videos and then blog posts and, you know, packaging it out in a lot of different ways. And I got to meet Nick Oot. And he is the photographer who captured the Napalm Girl. Mm, and wow. that one image helped end the Vietnam War. And it was so amazing getting to meet him. And uh, we actually got to see um, the original negative. Uh, it's boxed up in oh, a wow. climate-controlled room. And, you know, in real life, it was a single negative is this, you know, 
just a few centimeters big and, you know, an inch long. And just to see that in person and know how one image can change the world or impact the world, that was a really um, just humbling and amazing story to tell, but also just reinforce like the power of images and just one image can tell an entire story that can change the world. So we've, we've got to, you know, share a lot of amazing stories through yeah. our clients. And that one is is one that uh, kind of stands out as yeah, great. Wow. Thanks a favorite. Yeah. yeah. So if you were standing in front of a group of 22-year-olds and they, say, they said, Helen, I want my work life to matter, what advice do you have? What would you say? That's a great question. I've been talking about that actually a lot at a conference this week. You know, I think it, it comes down to first really asking yourself, what is it that you value and that gets you excited uh, and starting from a foundational level of what matters to you? And not everyone knows right offhand what that is. Uh, I actually spoke about this at South by Southwest uh, many years ago, but it's like what you love to do, what you're good at, and then uh you know, what the market will pay for. It's kind of like a Venn diagram. And in the center of that, it's like, maybe start there, you know, because you we've got bills to pay and everyone needs to make money at the end of the day. Uh, so yeah, I, w- I would say be introspective in preparation of this uh, interview. I was thinking about other pivotal moments. And another one was like year seven. I feel like I, you know, this marital term terminology, yeah. like seven year itch. Yeah, yeah, you get the seven year itch. I, I was having that with my company. It's like the biggest relationship I've ever had is yeah. the relationship <laughs> with my company, you know, and at seven years, I'm like, is sociality squared really making me happy? Is this what I want to do? <laughs> it's getting on my nerves. It's leaving the toilet seat yeah. up. Do I want to yeah. break up with sociality squared? <laughs> uh, and I went to a, a women's retreat, and it was wonderful. And it really just—I'm a big believer in retreats and vacations, and you know, resetting, and for that reason. Uh, but one of the exercises they had us do was to write our own eulogies. And it, it gave such an interesting perspective of what do I want my legacy to be, what is important to me now, and then how can I match you know what I do with my career to this vision of myself. And I I rewrite it not that often, but I when I'm having these questions, I'm like, well, let me write my eulogy now, and see where where I'm at right now and what's important to me that way. So I think that's a, a it's a kind of a, a weird. Tactic to use. It sounds weird. No, it isn't but, at all. But it's, I find it very powerful to get you thinking yeah. outside of, you know, what I want to do in the next six months or out of fear of like, oh, I need a job. Let me just grab that or, you yeah. know, or being overwhelmed by what does matter and 20 million choices yeah. in front of me. I think that's great. And the nugget in there, I want to make sure that our listeners don't miss, is that your answer to that question will change and grow as you change and grow. Mm-hmm. And so if you're 22 and, and, you don't know what matters to you or you don't know, it's okay. Just get out there and try something that feels mostly right and pivot from there and just keep pivoting and getting closer to it. But don't be afraid to ask yourself those hard questions. And so with that, I'm going to ask you, are you ready to play two questions, one deep and one shallow? Sure. And and I I will say I love like 
the name of this podcast and your work for that exact reason. Like we do evolve as people, as uh, in our careers. So I, that resonated yeah. uh, with me right away. So. Yeah, and, and I think we we forget that we're not. I'm not the same as I was ten years ago, and I hope I'm different in ten years. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so to think that my interests and values and priorities will be the same, it's foolish. Yeah. Um, but no one ever taught us how to have that conversation with ourselves. Yeah. We're not really good at guiding ourselves through that, unfortunately. Yeah. All right. I think we'll do uh, I think we'll do the shallow one first. <laughs> what fictional character do you wish you could meet? Fictional character. Ooh, well Superman comes to mind first. Uh I've I've always that's a, another fangirl thing okay. of Superman. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that's the best answer, but that's the one that popped into All right, my head well, first. All right, well, good. You should always go with your first answer, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay, and our final question, what breaks your heart? You know, I, I think it's when we dehumanize people whether and commoditize people, and whether that's treating them as just a data point to optimize and engage or, you know, retarget our ads to and not as a person, and just, you know, not acknowledging the humanity in other people. So, And because it's my show, I can do anything I want. I'm going to ask you one more. Go for it. To close, what does it mean to you to have a good life? I think it's just being happy. And looking back at some of you know the moments where I've just felt joy and happiness, one that stands out with just being uh, in a room full of friends and like a few of my friends are on the couch. I think a few of us were just laying on the floor. And I just, this one moment with a group of my friends a couple of years ago, I, we were just like laughing. I was like laughing on the floor. And that's like a touch, uh, one of those touchstone moments for me of like, when was I really happy? Like laughing on the floor with friends where they'll love me no matter what. Exactly. You know, I want more of those moments yeah. in my life. Fantastic. Helen, how can we find out more about you and Sociality Square? Thank you for asking. I love that question. <laughs> uh, visit our brand new website, socialitysquared.com. Spell sociality for us because it is an unusual word. I know. <laughs> I tried to buy s2.com to make it easier. It's uh, social, I-T-Y, squared. So okay. that's the easiest way. Uh, and then you can find all of our you know, uh, social links on that. And then I'm, I'm at Helen's Travels on Instagram and Twitter and then Helen Todd on LinkedIn. And so. your, your website is very instructive in terms of what you do, who you work with. Um, so if anybody um, fits that category of ideal client for you and you like what you heard today, um, definitely check out their website and give Helen and her team a call. And um, thank you so much for your time today. I think it's um, – I love having people of different generations on because sometimes we think the wisdom comes from, you know, when you're sitting on a rocking chair in the porch and you're passing down your nuggets to the kids, you know, sitting at your feet. We all know that isn't how it works. We we gather wisdom at each step along the way in our careers, and it's learning about the world, but it's also learning about ourselves. And where the real impact comes and the power comes is when we act on that information in order to um, increase our impact in our worlds. And what a world it would be if we all did a little bit more of that. So thank you for coming in today. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. If you enjoyed meeting the Evolved Careerist on today's episode, well, we've got a lot more lined up for you. Subscribe, tell your friends, rate us and write a review. And of course, follow us on social media. But if you're interested in learning more about how you can evolve your career, you can contact us through theevolvedcareer.com or 
thebaukegroup.com, and that's B-A-U-K-E. Do you know somebody who'd be a great guest, who has a great career story to tell? Or do you think you qualify? Then email me. My email address is in the podcast description. Until next time, here's to your career happiness.